It's really vital to imagine to, to me that there are people who would like to go to church and cannot because they don't have transportation. It's just, just not right. So there are some people there waiting on you to go drive. And some people worry about that they can't find directions. You will be able to find directions. I'm, I'm, I'm not native to this city, but there's technology, <laughs> GPS. <laughs> Most of you have it on your phones. But if you don't have it on your phone, I promise you, you sign up and you have challenges in direction, I'll give you mine. <laughs> GPS, okay? <laughs> so come sign up. <laughs> Good word. Thank you, David. Thanks for all you do. There's a sign-up sheet. As you leave, you can sign up. We had a lady drive. <laughs> She's moved to Florida since then, but we used to have a lady driving for us, and uh, she went through a stop sign, I think it was a stop sign, and got hit. Thankfully, nobody was in the van, but uh, when we took it to the insurance company, the insurance company says the van is totaled. And we thought, gosh, that must have been quite an accident. And then we checked with the insurance company to find out how much or, or to have it repaired. And it wasn't that much to have it repaired, but they gave us money. We said, just give us the money then. We'll buy a new, another van. So not only did we have that van repaired, we were able to buy another van. And someone said, should we replace her as a driver? And I said, no, no, let her keep driving. It's a heck of a deal. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, you can turn to the book of Luke chapter 5. And we're glad to see all of you in the house of the Lord today. Those of you that are visiting with us, we... I heard there, I stepped out, but there were five or six of you, and we're glad that you're here. We uh, have wonderful services for the children at 9 and 11 o'clock, and then Wednesday at 6.30, and a great youth ministry at 6.30 on Wednesdays. By the way, Pam and I, Pam asked me if I would uh, like to go with her to Florida for a couple of weeks, and I just gave up everything and said, okay. Uh, so, But uh, Pastor Dan and Kelly are going to be sharing the next two Sundays. Let's give them a hand. They do an awesome, awesome job. Next Wednesday, we'll be sharing and concluding the series on living the Word. I encourage all of you to be here for the conclusion of that series. Then Dan and Kelly will be sharing the other two Wednesdays. So it'll be a, it'll be a great time. But I was, I was praying. No, I, actually, I wasn't praying. I was, I was just going about my business one day, and I heard this word in my spirit, just dropped in my spirit, it's time to move on. And then I heard it again and again and again. And in my walk with the Lord, when God wants to drop something in my spirit and then it doesn't go away, it's almost always of God if it lines up with the Word of God. And it's not of God if it doesn't line up with the Word, but when it lines up. And, and, and instantly I knew what that meant. It meant it's time to move on and not just keep standing and stopping in the position where God has us to move on. But I knew it was a word for me. But then the more I meditated on it, I felt like the Lord said, it's a word for the church, that many people get locked up in their walk with the Lord and they start, the situations and circumstances come. And, and they come against us, and, and, and there a, there's a disappointment, first of all. Can I see the hands of all the people you've ever been disappointed? Now, if the neighbor's hand doesn't go up, check them out. They may have died and gone on to heaven. Every one of us have been disappointed somewhere, and we will be disappointed again. 
And what we have to do is learn how to deal with disappointments and get rid of them and not lock up in them or we'll live in a world of disappointment. And the same thing is, is, is true regarding fear. There is a fear in the world today that is coming from the terrorists, it's coming from people, it's coming from situations and circumstances, but the root of it is it's coming from the terrorist, it's coming from the devil. And he wants to stop you by discouraging you and making you fearful. He cannot discourage anyone that will deal with disappointment quickly. Disappointment gives way to discouragement, and discouragement gives way to depression. Any person who is depressed or discouraged, have, they've not dealt with disappointment. If you don't deal with disappointment, you will not move on with what God has for you. And that's basically the message today. It's time to move on. Tell your neighbor, it's time to move on. God's got a plan and a purpose for your life. And I'm going to paraphrase all of Luke chapter 5 for you. You can read it. It's basically when the disciples had been out toiling all night long fishing. Andy Gehabe was in the first service. How many of you like to fish? Real fishermen? Andy is devout. He, he'll take a break and go fishing any time of the day, day or night. All you got to do is say, Andy, let's go fishing. And if he can do it, he's going to do it. And I said, Andy, how would you feel if you fished all night long and didn't catch anything? He said, I wouldn't like it. I'd still be at it, trying to get that one before you left. But they'd fished all night long, and they'd come back, and, and after being over there, some of you have been to Israel, and honey, you know what it was like. You saw the fishers, fishermen with the nets, the boats, uh, very similar to what Jesus had, and, or not had, but was in, and, 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 and how they cleaned their nets constantly because they have to maintain them. And so they were cleaning their nets already. And Jesus comes on the scene, and he kind of asked to use their, their, their boat to preached to all the people that were gathered around him. And they let him take the boat out. Simon said, okay, come on, will you get in my boat? And so I'm paraphrasing all of this, but they went out for, for a ways and, and Jesus was teaching and preaching to them, uh, all the people. And, and then after a while, when he finished, he said to Simon, now launch out into the deep. And, and Simon said, hey, wait, 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 we have fished all night long. Now, I know I'm paraphrasing a lot of this. We fished all night long and there aren't any fish. And therefore, we're tired, we want to knock it off, it's hot, it's humid, we're cleaning our nets, and you want us to go out? But then, Simon said something very interesting. He said, nevertheless, at your word, we will do it. And the rest of the story, everybody say the rest of the story. How many of you remember Paul Harvey? And now for the rest of the story. They went out, they put the net down, and all of a sudden, they had a net-breaking catch a fish that they had to call other boats in to take care of it. Why? Because they listened to what God said. He had a plan. He had a purpose. And they moved on from their disappointment. Now, it doesn't say they were disappointed in the Bible, but I can almost guarantee you all of those guys went out fishing. They came back with no catch. That meant no money. That meant when they got home, they had nothing for their families because I, in the first service, I used the example, Brad, how would you like to work all day long? When you left, they said, by the way, Brad, we're not going to pay you today. I don't think he would like that, and I'll bet his wife wouldn't like it at all. <laughs> He's pointing to his wife. I don't think she would like it at all. They were looking to make profit off that catch. But they did what God said. They changed their thinking to follow 
His Word and to move on into the deep, to launch out into the deep. I think it's time for all of us to launch out into the deep, to do what God is calling us to do. I asked the first service this, how many of you believe that there are more things for you to do that you have not arrived and that there are things that you just feel in your spirit that God is... Maybe you don't know it's God, but you just know you've got things in there that you just know that it's something that you think you might be called to do. Can I see your hands? It's probably something you can't wrap your mind around. You can't sit down and articulate how you're going to do it. All you know is, I feel like there's something more for me to do. I feel like there's something beyond where I am. I just feel like there's something inside me that's growing. That, in all probability, is God speaking to you. And if you will let God show you to launch you out and to move you on. But what happens to many of us is that our life becomes full of disappointment. I don't know how many of you are basketball fans or sports fans. I love sports. I love watching, uh, um, I'm I'm hoping Cleveland and... uh, Golden State end up together, but they both have just awesome ball players, awesome teams, and they're playing really well. And I'm sure Oklahoma and Toronto disagree with what I just said. Uh, that's who they're playing. But, but in basketball, let's take basketball for example. I don't think any player goes out there and says, I think I'm going to miss this shot, and I hope I miss that shot. Every shot they take, they're planning to make, and then they miss it. Now, the best thing they can do is not go sulk in the corner and say, I missed my last four shots. The best thing they can do is take the fifth shot, and then the sixth shot, and then the seventh shot. And it's amazing how if you keep shooting, you begin to score again. And that sometimes they get into, you'll, you'll hear the sports announcers say, you can tell they're tightening up and they're starting to pass the ball more than shoot. They're a shooter, and they and they have good shots, but they've missed several shots. Many times in our life, because we have disappointments, we can start to button up the hatches and just just stay in the position that we're in. Turn to your neighbor and say, not a good position. Not a good position. There are times when the Word of God says, when, you know, when you've done all to do, stand and stand and stand. But we're not talking about standing and doing nothing. We're talking about standing against the work of the devil who comes to disappoint, steal, kill, and destroy. He tries to come fear into your life that you'll never accomplish what your God-given destiny was. That's not true. You will accomplish your God-given destiny. Tell your neighbor, you will accomplish your God-given destiny. The thing that you're going to do for God is beyond your ability without Jesus, but it's never beyond your abilities with Jesus. Disappointment means failure to fulfill your hopes or your expectations. And fear is a feeling of anxiety concerning an outcome of something. You know, all of us have expectations. I told this story in the first service. I thought it was really cute. A little boy and... And his dad were out, excuse me, a little boy and his dad were out just having a good time. He was about a third grader and just having a good time, just bonding as, as dads and, and their boys do. And his dad looked down and he said, son, what do you want to do when you grow up? The little boy thought for a moment. He said, dad, I don't know. What do you want to do when you grow up? <laughs> I think that's true for a lot of people that sometimes... What is it that I'm going to do on this earth that God has called me to do? What am I here for? 
and that if you get over the disappointments in life, and you get over the fear factor in life of why you can't do it, you start to move out toward the things of God. And when you study the Bible, I love to read uh, uh, bibliographies, uh, stories about people that have been there, not somebody who has this theory about something, but somebody who's been there, done that. And, and, and those things excite me. And when I read about the Apostle Paul, and what he accomplished. You know, Paul in, in today's world would have been charged with multiple felonies. Uh, you know, he uh, was complicit in murder. He was complicit in beating people, uh, falsely imprisoning people and everything. As a Pharisee, he was a bad news guy. But God got a hold of him as, uh, on that road to Damascus, and Paul turned around, and he got, the, he got his eyes open to the plan of God. How many of you want your eyes open to the plan of God? Get them up there real high so I can see them. Now let's describe what happened to Paul. He got beat up. He got thrown in jail. He got bit by a snake. Never had an opportunity to be married. Probably wasn't all bad, I guess. But, you know, you all understand what I'm saying. He, he, you know, he's, he's just beat up, thrown in jail. All these kind of things happened to him after he got the plan of God. After he started pursuing and moving out for God. Now, I don't believe that it says anywhere in the Bible that Paul sat around and was disappointed, but I can't imagine Paul sitting around thinking, I'm sure glad they beat the heck out of me today and threw me in jail. I can't wait for tomorrow to come. I'm sure that some of the things disappointed him a little bit, but he never let them stop him. You can have disappointment come your way. All disappointment is things didn't work out the way you hoped they would just didn't happen the way you thought, or it wasn't fair, or whatever. But that's what happens. You just have to get over your disappointment. But what did Paul go on to do? Wrote two-thirds of the Bible, was a powerful man of God, and used mightily by God in everything that he did. And sometimes we have to learn from people, not sometimes, all the time, we have to learn from these people who they were and how they became what they were. Gideon is a great example, hiding out in the wine press. He had a poor self-image. Uh, he was very fearful of being attacked by the enemy. Uh, he, he just didn't want to make any waves. How many of you don't like to make waves? Okay, we'll pray for you later on. We'll get rid of all that crap. Uh, because not only are we going to make waves, we're going to sink some boats. We're going to torpedo some thoughts. And we're going, to, we're going to take care of things that need to be done. Because what happens then is, if you don't want to make waves, you're open to fear. I don't want to upset anybody. Not only do we sometimes want to upset people, we don't do it intentionally. That's just the problem. You know, when Harry Truman was president, uh, I, was, I was reading this thing about him the other day, and, and when he was president, and they said, this is, give him hell, Harry. And they said, how's it feel, Harry, to just always be the person that gives them hell? He said, I don't give anybody hell. I tell them the truth, and they think it's hell. <laughs> That's exactly where we should be today. How you process the truth is between you and God, but I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to put it right between your eyes and that little mind of yours. And then we become the people that God wants us to be. Gideon finally answered the call of God. And he said, well, I guess I can do it if God says I can do it. And the rest is all history. God opened the door, and Gideon became a mighty man of God when he said, I'm not that intelligent, and I'm paraphrasing it again, I'm not that intelligent, I'm the least in my family, how can you use me? And God said, I can use anybody. Turn to your neighbor and say, God can probably use you. You look at the disciples, 
What a motley crew. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if you've ever studied disciples. If God can use the disciples, He can use you. Uh, I mean, this is, uh, I, I made reference to this the first service, and I didn't have it in front of me, and Sandy went out and, and copied it for me. She had remembered it. But uh, it's, it's, the, it's the story of the disciples and, and how, who was the most likely candidate to succeed. And uh, God has a great sense of humor. And this, some of you might have heard of, but this is from the Jordan Management Consulting Company. Thank you for submitting the resumes of the 12 men you have picked for managerial positions in your new organization. That's who Jesus had picked. All of them have now taken a battery of tests, and we have, uh, we have not only run the, the uh, results through a computer, but arranged personal interviews. The profiles of the tests are included, and we want you to study each of them uh, carefully. As part of our service, we make general comments for your guidance, much as an auditor uh, would in some arrangements. In the, it's the staff position that most of the nominees are lacking in background, education, vocational aptitude for the type of enterprise you're getting ready to undertake. They don't have a team concept. We would recommend recommend that you continue your search for persons of experience in managerial ability and proven capacity. Simon Peter is emotionally unstable and given to fits of temper. Andrew has absolutely no qualities for leadership. The two brothers, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, place personal interests above company loyalty. Thomas demonstrates a questioning attitude that would tend to undermine morale. We feel that it's our duty to tell you that Matthew has been blacklisted by the Greater Jerusalem Better Business Bureau. And James, the son of, of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, definitely have radical leanings, and they both registered a high score on the manic depressive scale. One of the candidates, however, shows great potential. He is a man of ability and resourcefulness and meets people well, has a keen business mind, has contacts in high places, is highly motivated, ambitious, responsible. We recommend Judas Iscariot. He is an awesome man on paper. Yeah, well, we know that one didn't work out too good. But God's going to pick the person that he wants to accomplish what he wants to accomplish. And all through the Bible, there are stories of people that God has used. But then you can fast forward it from the Bible into the modern day. Most of us would like to make more money. I believe God wants to be your source, but I believe He wants you to have more money. I believe He wants you to have knowledge of witty inventions. I believe He wants you to have so much dependence upon Him that all you're going to do is launch out into the deep whenever He tells you to, not being concerned about your checkbook or the money, but knowing that will automatically follow. I've used this example before. But in the military, those of you that have been in the military know what I'm talking about. When you get your orders to deploy or to do whatever, you don't stop. I wonder if I got any money to do it. And I wonder if I'll have any clothes. And I wonder if I'll have any food. You don't do that. You expect that military branch to pay for everything. And they do as you deploy and do what God's called you to do. And when you move out, that is your deployment. So what happens then is we get so excited about doing what God's called us to do. Years ago, uh, I, I had worked at the J.C. Penney Company. I loved the J.C. Penney Company years ago. Loved what they stood for. James Cash Penney was still alive at the time, the founder. And 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 when when J.C. Penney was was a younger man, 
He went to Kimmer, Wyoming, and he bought a meat processing business, and he bought it for the glory of God. He wanted to glorify God, and uh, he got the money all put together and, 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 and went into his biggest account that really made the company the profit that he was buying it for. And he delivered the meat the first time out there, and he got the money and, and everything. And as he started to leave, the owner of the hotel said, where's my bottle of uh, whiskey? And he said, what are you talking about? And he said, the previous owner always gave me a bottle of whiskey with the delivery of the meat. And J.C. Penney said, well, I'm sorry, but I don't do that. I'm a Christian. I don't believe in drinking whiskey. I don't believe in giving bribes, and I'm not going to do that. And he said, well, in that case, you no longer will have this account. And he thought for a moment, I'm sure he was disappointed, he thought for a moment, all of this is chronicled in his book of his life, The Merchant Prince. And he thought, he said, well, my business is to glorify God, not to glorify man or not to make money, but to glorify God. So therefore, I'm sorry, but I, I won't have your account. He ended up going bankrupt. Ended up going bankrupt. Everything that you do that you will not lock up in disappointment will lead to victory. Because Romans 8.28 says God uses all things for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. So therefore, James Cash Penny, I, I, it doesn't say it in his book, but I'm sure he didn't know what to do. But he wanted to start a retail clothing store. And this is how he was started. He started a one store, and he said, this store is dedicated to the glory of God. Do you know if you do anything and start anything that God is leading you to do and dedicate it to God's glory, God's going to be in it. Jesus is going to be exalted. God's going to be in it. And God's going to see to it that you're going to make a success of it. And James Cash Penny started the first store called the Golden Rule. And he based it on Matthew chapter 7, verse 10. We are going to do unto others as we would have others do unto us. And the store was amazingly successful. And then he thought, well, if you could do it in one store and glorify God, why couldn't you do it in two stores? Well, he ran into trouble with the name of the store, and there was a challenge. So he finally had to change the name. And, it, and people advised him and, and counseled him and said, why don't you make it the J.C. Penney Company because you have the vision, you have the plan, you want it to glorify God, and he did. And that took off and at one time was the largest retail merchant in America. I don't know where they stand today. Walmart's probably surpassed them. But it was all because of James Cash Penney wanting to glorify God. He said, and when I was with him, he was still, not with him, but with the company, he was still alive in the beginning. But, but he said, my company stores will never be opened on Sunday over my dead body. And they were never open on Sunday till he died. And then the trustees said, now we're open the stores on Sunday because they won that extra profit. But he was a man that God used. A lot of people don't realize this. But the J.C. Company, uh, Penney Company was a bright light for the glory of God in the beginning days and as they went across that country. God could use anybody. God has something for you to do that will bring glory to God. Fast forward, you can look at several other organizations that have prospered amazingly, Chick-fil-A being one of them. I mean, Chick-fil-A is a company, you need to thank God for Chick-fil-A. You need to go eat chicken at Chick-fil-A. Besides that, I like chicken at Chick-fil-A. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> I admire them for closing on Sunday until I leave here and drive by on Sunday. Think, man, that hot and spicy chicken sounds so good right now. But I commend them for doing it. I don't think somebody's wrong for being open on Sunday, but if God told you to be closed on Sunday, you better close the doors on Sunday. You better do whatever God says, and you'll be blessed. But Chick-fil-A 
under the direction of Truett Cathy. Truett Cathy, he's in heaven right now, but he always wanted a restaurant. He always wanted to start something and have it for himself and give glory to God. And he started with a place called the Dwarf Restaurant in Atlanta. It gave way to the Chick-fil-A franchise. Largest franchise, not the largest, I don't know how big it is, but they're in 46 states. They have, I think, 800 and some stores. One of the most profitable restaurant franchises in America today, all because they gave glory to God. They give millions of dollars to churches, millions of dollars to orphanages, millions of dollars to help educate children. They are just an absolute bright light to the world today. We got an idiot mayor in New York named Blasio who has no common sense, a total progressive, and they think, how can you say that? It's really easy. I open my mouth and I just let it flow out. He has called for, in New York City, he's called for a boycott of Chick-fil-A. They've done the horrible thing. Horrible. They have said that we believe as a company that marriage is between a man and a woman. Oh my goodness, how horrible is that? Mayor Blasio went crazy. Mayor Blasio and people like him don't know it, but they're controlled by the spirit of the Antichrist. And it's time we started calling things like they are. How can you judge? I'm speaking the Word of God. It's the truth. Well, it sounds like hell. No, it's because you're living in hell by saying those things. That's wrong. And, And now, I'm sure... With all the restaurants they have in New York City, I don't know how many restaurants they have in New York City, Chick-fil-A, I'm sure they're disappointed. But one thing I really am sure of, they're not going to change. They're going to continue to close on Sunday, and they're going to continue to proclaim that marriage in America is between a man, America in the world is between a man and a woman. Can you say amen to that? You know, you just, you have to hold on to your principles and you can't be fearful of what man will try to do against you. Same thing is true with Hobby Lobby. I thank God for the Green family. They rescued Oral Roberts University. Millions of dollars they gave to that university to keep it from going under and going bankrupt. They didn't even have any children that went to Oral Roberts University. Hobby Lobby at one time was open on Sunday, and David Green, the founder who started Hobby Lobby for the glory of God, felt that God showed him one day, all those people that are in your store working on Sundays can't go to church. And immediately, he closed his Hobby Lobby stores across the nation. That company is absolutely unbelievable at the millions and millions and millions of dollars that they give to churches and religious institutions and helping to educate poor people, help poor people. They are absolutely amazing. He had a vision from God to start the company and give God all the glory. And he started it in his garage with a little handicraft operation and the rest of it became all across America just because he had to borrow $600 and the first two or three places he went to wouldn't give him the money. But finally he got the $600. I told Dan, I said, Dan, if Hobby Lobby wanted to borrow $600 from you and your bank today, you probably wouldn't even have him fill out a form, would you? He said, no, I don't think so. They, they're a multi million dollar corporation changing the face of the nation because of what they did. All of us have opportunities to do things like that. I think about my previous pastor, Billy Joe Doherty, and how when he was, uh, when he was, uh, is it 12, oh, 12, 14, uh, when, when he started his church out in Tulsa, actually backing up a little bit further, turn to your neighbors, say, some of these stories are speaking to you. He was, he was at a high school, he was at a, 
a, a state college in, in Arkansas on a football scholarship. And one day he's walking across the field, no different than anything else that any of you could have heard, uh, time to move out, whatever. And, and, and he saw his life start to flash before him. And so what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? And then God said, you can continue doing what you're doing or you can do what I've got for you. And so what do you have for me? And God began to show him Oral Roberts University. He wasn't even sure where it was. And God began to show him Oral Roberts University. He went to his coach and he said, Coach, I got to leave my football scholarship. I got to go to Oral Roberts University. His coach was named Rocky. He said, I don't know the rest, but his personality went with his name. And, and he said he was really upset. Like, what are you going there for? Why do you got to do that Christian thing? Can't you do that Christian? He called it a Christian thing. He says, can't you do that Christian thing here? And he said, well, I got to go where God wants me to be. How many of you realize that sometimes when you start to share with people what you think God is showing you, they start to come against you by all the reasons why you can't do it. They start to really disappoint you, really. And they're like, well, how are you going to do this? I don't know how I'm going to do this. I just know that's what I heard. Well, how will it work? How? Question, question, question. You can't ask questions when you hear from God. You just do what God says and move on with what God says to do. And so when he, when he got out there, he only had enough money for one semester. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, you will never be without money with God. There was a time when we went out to Tulsa. Now, it's, it's never the money I thought I would have. <laughs> but, but when we were out there in Tulsa living on hamburgers at White Castle, or at the, I like White Castle. My wife doesn't like White Castle. There's still hope for her, though. I'm still praying. How many of you like White, how many of you like White Castle? Oh, my good. Pam, look at the hands. <laughs> I applaud you. I love White Castle. But anyway, we're, there's a tennis tournament. I'm doing what I think God's called me to do. There's a tennis tournament where the staff at the school is playing the tennis team. The girls and uh, Pam was, was, is a good tennis player and was really good back then. We haven't played for a while. But she's playing this young girl, and Pam beats this young girl. <laughs> and this young girl started to cry. And I was so excited with my wife because my <laughs> wife beat her. But anyway, anyway, that's another story. But the reason... But the reason I bring up the story is I didn't have any gas, just gas fumes in the car. That's all we had. And doing exactly what God said. And to me, I've always had to fight off disappointment. Doing, I'm doing what God said, I think. I'm not saying I haven't made mistakes. I have. But, but doing what God said, and there's no money there, or there's not this there, or there's not there. And, and I remember driving you to that tournament. I think, I, I don't know how I'm going to get home. I, I hope I got enough money. But I took her to that golf tournament and pulled in the parking lot. So in the turn in the parking lot, she got out of the car and went over to warm up. And I'm just sitting in the car, just feeling blah. And this guy walks up and says, hey, God spoke to me this morning. I need to give you $20. You know what it means? And hand me a $20 bill. Glory to God. I knew it was for gas. And then I thought, wait a minute, $15 for gas, 5 bucks for a hamburger for my wife and I. And so anyway, but it's like God never, he's, he's never late. He's always there on time. He's always got it. But the disappointment will come when you'll say, wait a minute. Kenneth Copeland's got jets, and he's got money flowing in all the time, and I'm believing for $10. He used to believe for $10, and then it was $100, and then it was this much, and then it was that much. See, your faith level will take you where you're going to go. If you reach the point when you say, I'm going to do whatever God tells me to do, and no matter what the disappointment feels like, I'm not going to be moved by it. I'm not going to stand there and look at it and feel bad about myself and lick my wounds. I'm going to keep on moving on because God said, go out here. God told the disciples, launch out into the deep. 
They launched out into the deep, and they had exactly what God wanted them to have. And so each and every one of us want to do this. But Billy Joe Doherty, doing what he thought God told him to do, and he bought this used car dealership, and some of you have heard this story before. And the first thing that happened is everybody said, well, you need to go to the bank and borrow money. How many of you realize that sometimes well-meaning people can give you really bad advice? If you haven't, receive it right now. <laughs> and everybody say this, well-meaning people well can give me bad advice. And Billy Joe was told by the board and some other people, let's go to the bank, borrow the money. And they went to the bank and borrowed $3 million. And they thought that was a miracle. Little did they know that was a disappointment. And that was fear in action coming against them. And they didn't realize it until a little bit later when they realized they couldn't pay the principal and the interest. It got to the point when all they could do was service the debt load and they were having a challenge with that. $3 million in debt, challenged with cash flow, couldn't make it, totally disappointed, and praying and saying, God, God, please bless us, and standing on every scripture you could stand on here about finances and going down the tubes. Until finally they had that word in the morning, that word he got late at night, actually, early in the morning, and he got that word and God said, you have missed my plan for your life. This is not what I had for you. And he had to repent before the congregation. Long story short, God, once he repented, sent Sam Walton along, and they wanted $3 million so they could get out of debt. Sam Walton heard the story, gave him $3,100,000. And in one moment's time, the ministry went from $3 million debt to $100,000 in the bank. Whoa, glory to God. Turn to your neighbor and say, let that be me. You do what God calls you to do, you'll have a net-breaking load coming on you, and God will take care of every single one of them. There are so many stories in the Bible. I think about, uh, 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 not just in the Bible, but in, outside the Bible, uh, I think about pa uh, Pastor Stanley over there in the Sudan. Pastor Stanley, turn to your neighbor and say, you'll be disappointed. They turn back to him, but don't stay there. See, I think, I think, as I said earlier about Paul, I think he was disappointed by some of the stuff he had to go through. I think, I think uh, Chick-fil-A and everybody else who's ever done something, you've got to press through and you've got to deal with the disappointment and, and get rid of it. I think about Pastor Stanley. Pastor Stanley was an alcoholic in, in the Sudan. Some of you may not have heard his story, but he was, he was hooked on alcohol. He finally went up to Cairo, and in Cairo he encountered a lady who had been trained at Victory Bible Institute in Tulsa, Oklahoma. On a street corner he met her, and she said, come to my Bible school. Gave his heart to the Lord, went two years to Victory Bible Institute, and heard from God, got his whole life turned around, got totally set free from everything of the alcohol, and was ready to serve God, and had God's plan, God's purpose for his life. And God said, well, actually, man said, you can go to Canada, we got a job for you, we got a house for you, and we're paying all your expenses. Canada was importing at that time to their credit, praise God, of Sudanese people because of the war. And Stanley said, I'll go. And then he prayed about it. And God said, I want you to go back to the Sudan, to the Sudan and I want you to help your people change your nation. And they said, I'm going to do what God said. So we went back to the Sudan. And he's so excited about the vision. And he comes into Uganda getting ready to cross the border and they throw him in jail. And they were mean to him and they didn't feed him well and they didn't give him much water because he didn't have the proper credentials. But he gutted it out. And finally, they let him out of prison, out of that jail. And I'm sure it was disappointing to him to be there. And then they let him cross over into Sudan. And then the Sudan, the first thing they did when they saw him was threw him in jail again. And they didn't feed him well and they didn't give him much water because he didn't have credentials. He said it was very, very hard pursuing the things of God. But that went on for a long time in his life. 
And the war was going on, and he had a vision, but he didn't let go of it because he was moving toward it, moving on, moving on, moving on. And then one day, somebody comes alongside that God brings, and all of a sudden, something starts to happen. And now, he's changing his nation. That is exactly what God told him he would do. You will be used to change your nation. He's doing it right now. Let's give the Lord a hand for that. These are things that God is doing around the world. He wants to do it right here in America. If you're not careful... You will set in a position where God has you, and that's where you'll stay. I'm just going to do this. You've heard me use this analogy before. I'm going to be this, and some of you young people, I'm going to get married, I'm going to have 2.5 kids, and I'm going to own a house, and I'm going to pay 35 years on a mortgage, and it's all going to be done, and somebody's going to tell me I can refinance at a lower rate, and I'll do that, and now it's 45 years, and then I'll have two cars, and then I'll buy a new car, and then I'll have the best grass in town, and the shrubs will look great, and I'll wash the windows every spring, and then all of a sudden you stand before the Lord. And they say, did you do what I called you to do? And I say, well, what did he call me to do? I say, that thing that's in your heart that you know I called you to do. There'll be rewards in heaven. I don't think we should serve God because of the rewards, but when I saw that there are rewards in heaven, I'd just soon have mine. (laughs) If you got a reward waiting on heaven, would you like to have it? Turn to your neighbor and say, duh. Yeah, I want whatever he wants me to have. Uh, and so you get to the point when you think that, that the most important thing in my life is to do what God wants me to do. And, and I want to share four things with you that cause people to lock up beyond the disappointment. Uh, people that are disappointed, I mean, I'm disappointed. I've got things that if I think about them, they'll make me feel sad. They'll make me feel bad. They'll make me feel demoralized if I think about them long enough. If I could have changed it, it would have been changed. I can't change it. That's why I know God told me, it's time to move on. Time to move on. I'm moving on. And every single one of you have things like that too. You just need to move on with the God, pray for people and things like that. But don't stop. You just keep moving on. But, but, but it's all based on fear that many people lock up. Number one fear of all mankind is the fear of failure. Now, I know some people say it's, it's speaking in front of people or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's, it, but it's a fear of failure. You wouldn't, you wouldn't have a problem speaking in front of people if you knew you could do it right. Uh, you know, you could do that. Pam's, Pam's dad, he said, don't you call me up in front of that congregation. I said, John, if God tells me to do it, I'm calling you up. How many of you remember when John used to come up here and pray over the offerings and all? He'd come up here and pray. I, I thoroughly believe John Beal was called to God in the full-time ministry. I really do. Uh, but, but he was a man of God. Uh, and, but, but, but number one is the fear of failure. Number two is the fear of finances. People that get so concerned about their finances, God's blessings will come upon you and overtake you. But he wants to find out if you will release your faith to do what he told you to do, not if you'll wait to count the checkbook to make sure you got enough money to do it. God's got enough money for you to do whatever he's called you to do. You don't have, he does have, but if you'll move out, you'll have it. Third thing is fear of man. This, this thing is just horrible. Uh, Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says, uh, uh, the fear of man is a snare. I know that many people are concerned about what other people think. If you are overly concerned about what other people think, it's because you're fearful. Otherwise, you'll do whatever God says. You love people. You have compassion for people. But you're not moved by trying to calm the waters. So for all you people who are upset with me right now, who lifted your hand earlier and say you like to calm the waters, 
Don't be concerned about calming the waters, being concerned about whether or not you're moving out in the water, into the deep. And if people get upset, their problem. You don't intentionally upset people, but the fear of man is a snare. Let's say, fear of man? Fear snare. snare. Proverbs 29, 25. And then the fourth thing is, just went out my mind. I had it in the first service. Say it? Yeah, fear of death. Pam's dad and I talked about that uh, as he was nearing the end. Don't ever fear death. You know what? If every single one of us were going to die today, our last breath on this earth would give us our first breath in heaven. And to be absent from the body, the first thing we would see is Jesus. And we would be with him forever. Don't ever be afraid, afraid of death. We're all going to die sometime if the rapture doesn't come. But don't be preconceived about death or preconcerned about it. Move on as if you're going to live every day for the Lord. And if you die, you die. If you live, you live. Paul said, what the heck? It's better to die than to live. That way I'd be with Jesus. But i got to stick around because there's work to do. Time to move on. Tell your neighbors, time to move on. Let's all stand to our feet. Then I want to wrap it all up like this. I believe the word of the Lord, number one. You all know, this is not number one, but you all know that you have something inside you. You know it's there. Stir it up. When God spoke to, or when uh, uh, Paul spoke to Timothy as a young preacher to Timothy, he said, Timothy, stir up that gift that's inside you. That's the gift of the Spirit of God. And I'm paraphrasing it again. That's the gift of the Spirit of God. You haven't been given a spirit of fear. You've been given power, love, and a sound mind, Timothy. So get back up and move on and don't be moved by the people. Don't be moved by your age. He was very young. Don't be moved by anything other than what the Spirit of the living God is showing you to do. This is how I'm going to leave you today. This is what I thought the Lord told me. Number one, take that thing. Write it down. Everybody say, write it.